What does it mean to be wise? For most Western societies like our own that stress the absolute, unfettered, unrestricted autonomy, the freedom of the individual, the wise person is often considered one who is successful in manipulating the events of his or her life or the people in his or her life to obtain what he or she wants. We often praise these people. But what is the biblical concept of wisdom? And how does Jesus describe the wise person? In our first reading from Deuteronomy, the wise person is one who keeps God's commandments, who follows the Torah, the law of the Lord. For Judaism and Christianity, the wise person is the one who struggles to live a moral life based on fundamental truths of what it means to be in a covenant relationship with God which also brings one into a covenant relationship with others. For Christians especially, the relationship one has with Jesus, the Son of God, must be expressed in the concrete moral choices one makes in how one treats others. This concept of wisdom has little appeal to those who have reduced their relationship with God to maybe an occasional church service. It has little or nothing to do, indeed may even be a hindrance, to making progress in this world as the world understands that concept. The wise Christian cannot escape this truth. The moral treatment of others from spouse a stranger is a barometer of where one genuinely stands with God. For the Christian, wisdom has been infused in us from the moment of our baptism, when we were immersed in and took on Christ. St. Paul tells us in our second reading that Christ Jesus is the image, in Greek the ikon, icon of the invisible God, that in him were created all things in heaven and earth, that Jesus is before all things, and that in him all the fullness was pleased to dwell. Jesus then, because he is God, is the only mediator between God and man. Only in Jesus is fallen man and fallen creation restored, as St. Paul says, through the blood of his cross. Jesus is also, says Paul, the head of his church. And we are his body, intimately bound to one another through baptism, whether we like each other or not. That's the tough one, isn't it? Through our relationship with Jesus in our baptism and our relationship with each other in his church, we are graced to grow in the fullness of who we were created to be. Whether by deliberate refusal or by habitual neglect, the failure to grow in relationship with Jesus and with one another in his church is, without exception, a rejection 
of the graces of baptism, a rejection of Jesus' lordship, and therefore a rejection of salvation, regardless of how one feels. Wisdom has nothing to do with feelings or sentimentality. Wisdom is very practical. It's very down to earth because it is about knowing, living, struggling to conform our lives to truth, not feelings. We see this in our gospel text. A scholar of the law wanted to know what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus answered his question with a question. How do you read it? How do you read the Torah? How do you read the law? And the scholar did two things. He quoted Deuteronomy. Actually, he quoted part of what we call the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is thy God, and the Lord is one, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. But he also quoted Leviticus. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The scholar understood that to be in a covenant relationship with God as a member of Israel meant he was also in a covenant relationship with others in Israel. But the scholar blew it when he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? The scholar did not would not see that at that moment his neighbor was none other than Jesus. To help the scholar, Jesus crafted a wonderful story. In verse 30, Jesus tells us, a man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Then and today, it is a walk of 30 miles. Jerusalem stands at 2,500 feet above sea level. Jericho is 720 feet below sea level. It's a long drop down. Now in Jesus' day, that road was notoriously dangerous. So the story of a man falling victim to robbers would have been readily understood. That a priest and a Levite Both refused to assist the victim, and indeed both went on the opposite side of the road to avoid any contact with him, would have made sense to the scholar because those men had to avoid the possibility of incurring ritual impurity by having contact with what might have been a corpse. That a Samaritan, however would offer assistance, would have produced grimaces of disbelief, since both Jews and Samaritans harbored deep and ancient grudges toward one another. Jesus pushed the envelope, (laughs) he always does, and said that the Samaritan took the man to an inn. Now, inns along this road were very commonplace. Early Christians, however, understood that the inn was really the church. In fact, Pope Francis, not that long ago, referred to the church as a field hospital for the wounded of the world. 
The Samaritan paid the innkeeper how much? Two, you listen, good. Two silver coins. That was a princely sum. It would have easily covered all the expenses, all the expenses and the lodging for that man for two months. Jesus' message. The divine mercy is scandalously generous. It will go to any lengths to save a soul from death. When Jesus asked the scholar who was neighbor to the man, he answered correctly, the one who treated him with mercy, to which Jesus simply said, go and do likewise. Our baptism in Jesus brings us not only into union with him, but with all of us. Jesus, the new Adam, descended not just from the city of Jerusalem, but from the heavenly Jerusalem to come down to Jericho, fallen creation, to rescue the scholar and all the fallen sons and daughters of the old Adam. Jesus cast himself as the Samaritan, one despised and detested who nonetheless lavishly cared for this man, a victim of fallen humanity. Jesus brought him, brings us to the inn, his body, the church, which is to be a place of community, healing, and regaining strength to go back into this fallen world renewed in hope. And Jesus' command to the scholar, go, do likewise, that is, go, show mercy, is given to each of us. Showing mercy is the mark of the truly wise person.